0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Every company has a story to tell, from the small startup to the large enterprise, and everything in between. This is one of them. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello,
1: everybody, and you're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. This is Sean Martin, your host, and I'm coming to you kind of live from uh, the show floor at InfoSecurity Europe 2023 in London, Excel, and uh, I have the pleasure of chatting with Chris Thork today from Quest. We're going to be looking at operational resilience, AD resilience, and what that means to the business.
0: Chris, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, just to explain a little bit about my role at Quest, I'm a UK and Ireland technical channel manager. So I work with our partners across the whole, you know, all of the different verticals that we have. And we work together to deliver IT cyber resiliency from an active directory perspective to our customers. So we tend to provide the software and our partners provide the consultancy and the services and the managed services to help them to deploy it and then to manage the, uh, the various different solutions that we have. So let's um, let's
1: let's start with this, Chris, because I think, well, AD. There's on-premises. There's in the cloud. There's uh, certainly Azure, Azure AD. Um, as organizations are either maintaining or migrating and transforming that those environments, what are some of the Paths that they need to be familiar with in terms of where bad things can happen, either from an external. It could be an, it could be an employee, it could be a partner, it could be yeah. yeah. So talk to
0: me about some of the paths that That's a great question. So if we think about AD, it's it's actually 23 years old in its current form. It's you know, been various old sort of iterations, but the fundamentals of it haven't really changed since the late 90s. You know, before that it was NT4. Um, you know, user management, and then it morphed into Active Directory. So, in IT terms, it's very old, and the principles that are behind it are, are still the same. And what we see is that a lot of people now, you know, it's not a sexy product. It's it's there. It lets people log into their laptops and connect to them and authenticate what they need to do. But from that perspective, it's It's an absolutely prime target for hackers and cyber security and cyber threats because if somebody can get in with a standard Active Directory account they can basically look for the various different paths to take it from a standard account or to find a route through to getting through to the tier zero assets. And the tier zero assets are obviously the most important parts of the company, you know they're the domain controllers, they're the databases, they're where the data and the contents are stored. Active Directory actually manages the permissions and access to those different areas. So if they get the access as the main admin to Active Directory, they've got the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. And so in terms of how people get to that, it is, you know, they try and compromise an account or we've seen organisations go through a merger. And instead of doing a full assessment of the, the source environment being brought in, They basically do, well we haven't got a lot of time, we'll just do a lift and shift and we'll take everything across. And that can take across old vulnerabilities, old SID histories, old permissions that people have for users that have left the organization but those permissions are still there. And they can basically resurrect those old accounts and basically start to do damage off the back of that. And nobody really sees that happening because AD itself is quite difficult to interrogate. You know, it's an old form of environment. He uses the sys and he uses the main controllers to do all of the authentication. So it's very difficult to see what's happening unless you have specialist tools to, to help you to manage it.
1: So, uh, so many questions in my head here, because <laughs> a lot of my experience with AD was back in the old days. Actually, I built a, built a sim using OpenLDAP, because yes. we didn't want to tie, exactly. tie directly
0: to... AD, but yeah, it's exactly that sort of principle where oh, we'll keep the old, you right. know, the open LDAP available because we don't know what applications are still using it. So, we, if we turn it off when people start shouting, we immediately turn it back on, but we don't do any investigations to, or maybe we should update those applications or replace them or you know, find something better that's more secure. It's a case of you know. Because AD is so vital to everything, if we make a misconfiguration, or we make a change that stops half of the company working, you know, each hour that you down is costing the company potentially tens or even hundreds of thousands of pounds, and it stops everybody working, and that's you know, it's a key definition of that. You know, it's a single point of failure for the organization. And even if you think about moving to the cloud and using Azure AD, Principles are exactly the same. People will try and get in on, a, on an Azure AD path and you go, Well, I've got MFA, it's all fine. What well, we did with working with uh, some of our white hat hackers, they did some pen testing for our customers and they were actually calling the, um, the AD admins at 2 o'clock in the morning and saying, You need to press your authentication, you, know, you need to do your authentication on your device to capture that. So they would spoof the, uh, the MFA process, the AD admin, because it's two o'clock in the morning and all they want to do is sleep, right. push through the MFA author- authorization, and their spoof basically capture the token. Then they go in as that admin and they've got the full token rights because they've been given the MFA token. And with that you don't even need to log in, you don't need a password, you don't need anything, you have the token. Right. And they go straight in and they can cause a huge amount of damage in a very short time. So that's the kind of complexity that we're dealing with now. You know, we've also seen emails be sent in to people and inside of that email it's spoofed to look like it's coming from the HR team and it says in there, Um, we have recently changed your contracts terms and conditions please click on the link to see your updated T's and C's for your contract if I see that as an end user I'm going to be clicking on that link so you know with the advent of ChatGPT they're using that to craft really intelligent emails that attack people's fears and concerns and this is a personal email it's you know you're on the list, you are you know, your contract's been changed. What do you mean it's been changed? Why you know, right. what am I gonna do here? And so they click on that link and it's really you know, the levels of sophistication now and the you know, God of the days where you get, you know, some rubbish email coming through with no resemblance with a, just a, an attachment. They're actually crafting it to hone in on people's fears and uncertainties and using that as a as a method to gain access to that. Yeah.
1: So there are two, two different views here, perhaps. Um, one is access to an account. So they, they compromise, gain access to an account. And, and then understanding the role and the privileges and the access to different things, and perhaps how to um, gain escalated levels of privilege. That's one view. And then the, the other is, I've accessed AD. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I can see all the stuff and, and then can kind of figure out how and where I want to move. Even if I don't have access to all the accounts, I can see the, kind of yeah. the, the map, if you will, of, of the organization. Um, how do some of the conversations go with your customers, either directly or with your, some of your partners, yeah. um, to, to uncover what, what needs to be dealt with there?
0: Well, we take the viewpoint that assume accounts have already been compromised. And so. You know, you're always going to get attack paths coming through. You know, within Active Directory you're changing people's roles every day, you're changing their permissions. You're, quite often you're adding the roles and they're adding the permissions, but you very, very rarely take them away again because you don't know exactly what the different groups are, the different permissions are. And if somebody's been with an organisation for a number of years, they just gradually accumulate lots of permissions because they've been into different areas. So we say to people, look, assume there's been a compromise, but then when we examine the attack paths, typically they will lead up to a choke point where you may have, if you've got an organization of 5,000 users, you may have 5,000 users, you may have a couple of thousand groups, you may have all of these different, different areas of concern, but they typically lead up to an area just before the T0 assets that all congregate into a single point. So our philosophy is, you know, except that maybe the lower areas of that uh, attack path have been compromised, but if you can stop them at the choke points and you can block the access at there and block their ability to make changes at that point, you are protecting the environment from that, that, you know, you're protecting your tier zero assets, which is what you need to manage. And so that's where that attack path management comes in. It's also where things like audit trails are really important because you can then, if you see unusual activity occurring in the organisation, you can say, okay, we can see people trying to escalate through because there's changes being made. If I can track that back to the original source point, I can find the the area of compromise. If I can do that, then I can maybe restore that particular account, remove the, the compromise, and get it back to a known good account or I can just delete it, I can block it and I can recreate the user based on a backup that I can recreate and there's a different user but they still have the right permissions. So it's, it's a combination of factors that you need to understand is those attack pads, controlling the choke points, making sure that no unauthorized changes happen in the environment. You maybe set up a change control window with a couple of accounts that are allowed to make those changes outside of that window, those accounts are disabled so that nobody else can make those changes and only within that, say, a three-hour window on a Thursday afternoon, we can make changes that are approved, that are signed off, that have gone through change control. The rest of the time, everything's locked down. And then you can maybe raise a major incident change control if you need to, but you you have your set paths and processes and people in the, the admin areas know that those are the, s- the situations that they are going through, so that if something unusual happens outside of that change control window, it's immediately rejected and rolled back and yeah, the attackers are thwarted at that point. So
1: talk to me, as you're describing these scenarios,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm
1: picturing an AD admin team mm-hmm. that all they care about is giving access to the people they're yelling and screaming, right? Yep. That I need access to that <laughs> stuff. And and then there's probably, I don't know, this is what I kind of want to get a feel from you for is, is there somebody on the team that's responsible for looking at it from yeah. a risk and misconfiguration and a vulnerability and a resilient perspective? Or is that somebody outside that's trying to then influence
0: or control things? Yeah. So talk about talk about that relationship. Well, that's it. And that- that is part and parcel of having a properly structured joiners, movers, and leavers process. So, as part of that, you say, Okay, well, if anybody is in the HR department, they need to be members of these groups. So, you have it all based back to a group based structure. So, they're members of those groups. That then happens, and, and you manage the groups, and you use you know, an automated process to add people into the groups and to take them out so that you're not adding individual users or adding permissions to an individual user you're always using the group process what you also need to be able to do is try and you know if you have nested groups nested groups are a nightmare within AD because if you do a, a standard AD report it just says this is the group these are the users that are in that group and there's this group that also has access. But it doesn't tell you who's in that subgroup. And so those nested groups could contain a whole multitude of sins where you have groups coming in and out of those different areas. So part of that automation and creation of a true joiners, movers and leavers process is you kind of map every position that you have in an organization to the permissions that they need to have and so you can automate it. So if you say, you know, John leaves the IT department and he's gone for a changing career and he's moved to the HR, as part of that move, you remove all of his IT access and just grant him for the HR access. And so that's how you, you reduce the sprawl, you contain everything, and you make sure that if somebody is screaming about permissions, you go, well, You've got access to these groups. Why do you need access to this right. If there's a change control, you need to have this. We need to have that business justification as to why you suddenly need access to something different. And we will then create a new group, put you in, and then we'll put, add that into the process so that the next time somebody moves into that role, that permission is already accounted for and it gets added automatically. So, you know, it's, It's a fairly complex thing to set up to start with, but once it's done and once it's in place, it reduces the stress for your average AD admin and IT admin, because quite often you don't see a lot of AD admins as a standalone role anymore. They are M365 admins that also do the Active Directory. It's not a, you know, unless it's a large organization, people don't tend to specialize in AD anymore. It's not sexy, people don't want to. Every into so Right. Yeah, I completely
1: understand that. And um, so, as we as we uh, start to wrap here, I think the theme of the show is to rethink. Yeah. Right? And um, I think Quest is rethinking things a little bit in in the sense of uh, the VM environments that you're setting up. So, talk yes. to me a little bit about
0: what, what's going on there and how that kind of helps companies. So. Most organizations now have used a virtual machine model. You know, the size and the power of virtual machines now and the physical hardware means that you can run multiple servers on that physical hardware. Or you're moving into Azure, yeah, you know, Azure as an Azure VM or AWS or any one of a multitude of other cloud providers. But the principle of that is <clears throat> a domain controller is a very specialist piece of hardware and being able to do a snapshot of a VM from an AD perspective, that does not guarantee that you have a backup of your Active Directory. It just backs up the VM. Now, as anybody who knows, if you try and restore a VM from three months ago into your AD today, it's just going to throw up a whole bunch of errors going, why are you trying to connect for me when the last, you know, the last image that I have with this, you're three months out of date, you're immediately suspect. I'm not gonna to talk to you. All of the metadata, all of the sysform is out of date. It's, it looks worse than it did before. So you're now out of the loop. So if you're imagining that happening to all of your domain controllers, and they're all being restored from a, a time, you know, three months previously, they're all going to be going. Well, you're not valid. You're not recognised. You're you're not a true AD domain controller in this forest. Therefore, I'm going to block you. And so they all cascade down. You know, they may start to speak and communicate initially, but you you know, if you have a, a password policy that says change every 60 days and you restore it for 90 days, boom, every right. everything fails. It goes, your password is incorrect. So it can cause a huge amount of problems there. So. You know for we did a, a report with Forrester, and they basically said that trying to do a native restore of your active directory manually can take you uh, up to 10 work 10 days so if you imagine nobody can log into your environment for 10 days what kind of impact that would have in your business you really need to be considering uh, an automated recovery tool for your active directory which is separate from your yeah, VM snapshots, your content backup tools, your yeah, your, your server backup software, because Active Directory is a specialist product, yep. and it needs a specialist restore team. Now, obviously, Quest supply one. There are other companies out there, but you really need to think about that as a specialist solution and something to complement your normal content backup and your normal server backups.
1: Yeah, and it it, it, it strikes me that it requires specialist solutions, yes. yet and there are fewer and fewer specialists available. <laughs> to
0: help, this is it, you know, to help solve this. you know, we're not trying to replace Veeam. we're not trying to replace right. the big boys in the, you know, that big content backup area. What we say is we complement those solutions by looking at specific specialist tools like Active Directory and saying we can back this up, or we can restore it, and we can restore it within four to six hours, instead of that 10-day downtime. Yeah. You know, it, it may even be less than that because we have a lot of the capabilities in there.
1: Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, you've made me rethink
0: AD today. <laughs> Thank you, so that's all we ask. I appreciate
1: that, and hopefully, uh, hopefully our listeners uh, are thinking differently as well. And uh, hopefully, yeah, check out uh, quest.com to learn more, and uh, we'll, we'll include some, some links in the show notes to connect with you, Chris, and the rest of the team. Thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, good luck for the rest of the show.
0: Yep, Thanks for your time, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and the story made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity and society.